I've been the best, been the worst, been a ghost in a crowded room. Uh, that's a lyric from a song by One Republic called Someday from the 2021 album Human. Um, that song is amazing. I love that song. I think it's my most played song on Spotify this year, 2022. Um, but that lyric really resonates with me. Um, the idea of having been a, the best, been the worst, and being been a ghost in a crowded room Um it really is um, something that really hits close to me because sometimes you walk into a room, people think you're the best. Sometimes you walk into the room, people think you're the worst and they might not think you're the worst, but in your mind, you're thinking all these things. Um, and sometimes you walk into a room and you're a ghost and nobody even notices you. Um, it really is uh, just a really deep lyric. Um, what do you think about that, Joe? I think in life uh, we wear certain hats at different times. Uh, and I, you know, I've uh, been in situations where I've been in places where people think that, oh, Joe's here, Joe, look at Joe, you know, this kind of thing where it was almost silly that, it was, you know, and then I've been in places where people, for whatever reason, um, just had just had some disdain and 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 to the point where you wondered what did i ever do to you why do you and when it's more than one at a time it's like it's really uh it's really puzzling and it's you don't really worry worry about it but it does stay with you so i've worn those two hats and you know there's nothing like that third one because it's it's eerie and it's it's a bummer and it's eerie at the same time and, you know, and it's, and I know, you know, this is a different artist and I think different artists have touched on that, that, that emotion. Um, the Doors did a song, you know, um, when you're a stranger, people are strange, people yep, are strange and it, it mirrors this in so many ways, you know, faces look ugly when you're alone, that kind of a thing that when you were in that situation and everyone's laughing and having a good time and, and, and there's no one for you to talk to. And that's tough. And it's, it's, I've worn that hat too. And my thing is that some people feel that way all the time. And that's what bugs me. Like, go ahead. Yeah, it really is. Uh, like that, that lyric, um, when I, when I first heard the song, I was like, this is an awesome song. But then that lyric, every time I'm just waiting for that lyric, I'm just like, this is, um, and then the next lyric, some of the next lyrics after that is like, took a dive, took a turn took this and it led to you. Um, it's one of those things where you're going through some things and then you, you take a dive, you take a risk, you do something like that. And then it leads to someone in your life that you're very happy to is in your life. It could be anyone. It could be a friend. It could be a significant other. Right, um, right. So there's all these emotions in the song and the whole, the whole premise, it's not, the lyrics, not really to me. It's not really about the premise of the song because the premise of the song is someday, someday when we're older, we're like, we'll be together. Life will be great. That type of thing, which is awesome. It's a good message because one Republic has awesome uh, lyrics and messages like that. But right. this lyric really um, the idea, because you think about, it brings up so many memories in your mind. It's like the idea of being the best, being the worst and being a ghost in a crowded room. It's like, Whoa, that's like, it really hits you. So yeah, everyone. And I think everyone's been there. Yep. Um, so how was, uh, how was your weekend, Joe? Weekend was try to remember, uh, the birds won. So I was, that was pretty good. Yeah, we'll talk football, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, other than that, it was just a, a regular weekend. There's, there's never a weekend that's bad. So yeah. How about you? Um, weekend was pretty good. Um, I work Saturday, but then I'm off Sunday. Uh, the thing about yesterday, and we'll talk about this, um, 
yesterday was no Sunday, two days ago. Um, the Cowboys played the Texans and I couldn't watch it because it was just on the red zone channel. It wasn't on the, it wasn't on my YouTube TV or anything. All right, we're going to talk football Giants, a little later, but go Giants ahead. Eagle, you want to talk football later, but Giants <laughs> Eagles. So, but okay. you know, you know, I'm happy the Cowboys won. Yes. We'll talk about that later, but um, I went to the movies too um, on Sunday. I saw a new movie called spoiler alert. Um, it's one of those things. It's, it has an LGBTQ theme. Um, you know, I don't have any prejudice towards any of those groups. Um, I went to see it. I thought it was a good movie. It was very uh, sad and depressing kind of, but it was, you know, heartwarming at certain moments. And it's like, it's a love story. Right. Um, but it was the thing I know it's Sunday and it's like Sunday around six o'clock, but there was really not a lot of people in the theater. Um, it's just kind of sad that, you know, if a, if a movie has a label of LGBTQ, they're going to lose like a lot of their audience automatically because people are not going to want to see that movie. Um, yeah. I don't know what the, you know, what the box office was. I'll check the box office, but. Um, well, Sean, let me just tell you something. I'm honest to God. You and you know you're going to test to this. You know, me. I love everybody. I do not care what people do. I do not. That's the least. The least interesting thing to me is what some other guy does. Uh, you know, in the privacy of a, of a bedroom with another consenting adult. I don't care. It's not my deal. Women. That's. I mean, I'm I'm hetero, and that's that's the way God made me. And I, but I don't um, condemn anybody. I don't think anybody should be made to feel bad or picked on or anything. Or you know, but and I give everybody the green light. Do what you got to do. Be happy. Be you. That being said, I have no interest in. I, I and I'd say this in all sincerity, and 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 like I said, I've just prefaced it by telling you who I you know I am and. I don't really, I've seen a couple of movies like that advertised and I have zero, absolutely zero interest in watching them. I mean, I don't care what anyone else does, but I don't need it. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need it in my face every five yeah, minutes. It's, it's, it's I just don't. On Rotten Tomatoes, has an 81% tomato meter rating. Uh, that's the critics. And then it has 95% audience score. So the audience, 95% of the audience that have seen it really likes it, but it only made um, like $800,000. It's a brand new movie. Um, it's just one of those things where it's an enjoyable movie. It's like a rom-com type thing, but it's kind of depressing. It's a whole, you know, history of a relationship. But, you know, like you just said, um, you love everybody, but, you know, the, the movie doesn't interest you and that theme, that type of thing, you're not going to go out of your way to see it, which is fine. Um, Cause there was another movie that was in theaters called bros. I was just going to tell you that that's another one that I looked yeah. at and thought, man, I don't so, need to see that, brah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't so, need to see it. God bless people, you. Do what you want, but people God. have their views. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a straight, I'm a straight male. Joe, you're a straight male. Uh, mm-hmm. but we're very like, you know, liberal with our social views and accepting everybody and Christian views. I mean, if you follow, if you believe in Jesus Christ at all, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, and I don't want to hear the stuff that he said, this or he, no, he didn't. He never talked about, uh, you know, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Um, and think about it. Would Christ want you to go beat up somebody just because they were gay or, or, or pick on them after school or do this or do some cruel things to them just because they were gay. No. You know, to each and every one of my brothers, you know, as you're doing to me. So I'm going to just back off of that. But all I'm saying is um, I just don't need it in my all the being thrown at me all the time. That's all. I just feel like, you know, come on with it. That's all. Listen, that that's your personal opinion. Uh, Yes. And I'm sorry. It is. Go ahead. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. I just I kind of feel a little bit bad for uh, the LGBTQ community when 
they put so much heart and soul and effort into these feature films and they're in theaters they're not just streaming um and then they kind of just don't do well in the box office at all because so many people just disregard it and just have no interest in seeing it and um you know as a society we still haven't you know evolved and advanced to where it's like second nature to just see a movie regardless of uh the genders that are falling in love in the movie. Um, but I just wanted to mention that because you asked me how my weekend was. Um, yeah. You know, I saw a movie and there just really wasn't anybody else in the theater. The movie didn't even make a million dollars, but it was just a well-made movie. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that really quick, but um, yeah, man, so far the week's week's okay. You know, I'm off on Tuesday, so we're, we're going to start recording, I think more Tuesday shows. So if anyone was looking forward to the shows on uh, on Monday night, Tuesday morning. I apologize for now because we can't, uh, there's other things going on in our lives where Monday night is not necessarily feasible right now, but we're doing them on Tuesday. We're going to be, they're going to be up right after this. It's going to be up on, you know, we do these shows basically live and there's literally like no editing really. Um, and we just get them out there. Um, we're churning out two a week. Um, but, uh, before the weekend though, I went to see one of my favorite bands, Jimmy Eat World at Parks Casino. I'd never been to Parks Casino. Uh, it's really not that far from where I live. Um, it was a nice intimate show. I mean, it was, uh, the crowd was good. Um, they played all their, you know, major hits, you know, sweetness in the middle or two of their like, you know, um, uh, main songs that people know from around like 2004. Um, but they're still playing. They're still doing their thing. Um, I saw them in, uh, Sayreville earlier this year, a couple months ago. And the guy, well, the lead singer, Jim Atkins lost his voice and he, he had to cut the show short. So, he apologized even even at Parks Casino on Thursday. He apologized for that. He's like, was anybody in Sayreville? I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, I had a good time. It was, I got to see the concert. The ticket wasn't that expensive. It was an intimate thing. I was right near the stage. Um, it's a really small venue. It's, it's in a casino. Um, but they gave you they gave the people who bought the ticket a free – it was sponsored by Miller Lite, so they gave us a free Miller Lite, which I thought that was cool because not a lot of concerts you go to, they're, they're giving you free drinks. Um, so it was cool. Uh, I didn't play poker. I was thinking about playing poker right after the concert, but I chose to just pick up some food there and go home. Um, but it was fun though. Um, one thing that happened uh, today was a famous football coach named Mike Leach died. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was only 61. He, I think he suddenly got ill and then died. Uh, but he's really famous for like his, his quotes. Uh, one of his, he, he was always saying something crazy in a press conference and, but really philosophical and really meaningful and really deep, if you actually think about it, um, one quote that he had um, talked about a post post game. He said, "It's kind of like doing surgery with a chainsaw instead of a scalpel. We had pieces and parts flying everywhere. It turned out in our favor. We've just got to clean it up the next time around." Um, so he said a lot of the top of his head probably just said that, you know. Um, but he's also known for the air raid offense. Um, he really just in, he's an innovator. So the air raid offense uh, basically. Um, it's it's a shotgun formation if you know football where there's four wide receivers and only one running back, um, just a lot of you know a lot of air power, a lot of passing. Um, so he was successful at Texas Tech, uh, Washington State, and Mississippi State. Finally, was his last school. Uh, but Joe, 
you know, what is your opinion of Mike Leach? Did you, you know, I know you're not a huge college football guy, but you knew of him, right? Um, and that's therein lies the rub. I'm not really a large uh, college football. I don't dislike college football. I just, to me, there's the NFL and then there's everything else. But college football is cool if it's on, right? Uh, but I'm no, I'm not an avid, uh, an avid co- follower of college football. But I know who he was, and that's that's the point. I think everyone, uh, pretty much in the sporting world, knew who this cat was because he was unique, and he was very clever. Um, Incidentally, I think he had a heart condition is what took him, and that doesn't that can go south in a hurry. So he had some kind of a heart condition. Um, but I can remember the last thing I remember from him, and this is it was just funny. It was it was Halloween time, and one of the reporters asked him on the field, like on the sideline after the game, as he's walking off, "Are you going to get some Halloween candy?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to get Halloween candy." And the guy asked, "Well, what's your favorite Halloween candy?" And, and this, instead of just saying one thing, he stops walking. And he stands still and he goes, you know, I like I like this over here and I I like those, uh, you know, I forget what the candy was. But the point was he, you know, he listed about two or three things that he really liked, you know, and he said, I don't like those little uh, licorice things, those good and plenties and this. And then he started to, to list the things that he didn't like. <laughs> I mean, it was just yeah, it was the typical. He's a he was a real character and uh he always had he was like the yogi Berra of of college football you know the with the sayings that are just really clever and and the personality he made it all go but and he was just he was a funny guy intrinsically he was just he was funny so um it's it's special, it's special people like that um where they're just like like i think you're like that too like you're just really naturally like innately funny and just like um, you, I've heard that. Thought, you, I've heard people that. ask you questions. You put thought. I mean, he put thought. Even someone asked him about Halloween candy, and he stopped and put thought into it. You put thought into what people say. You don't just don't brush it off and just like disregard like like they basically didn't say anything. And you put thought into it, but you have these clever lines and these stories and these anecdotes, um, and it makes you like into the character and that that person that people gravitate towards. Um, he was definitely one of them. Yeah, he was. It's 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 a it's a shame to see him go. As a matter of fact, I just saw him on a show and i can't remember who the interviewer was i can't remember exactly but he was on one of these shows and and they did they he did like a, a 20 minute interview i think i might have been it may have been johnny bananas but i'm not sure but somebody interviewed him recently on a show and took took you down to Florida, and his he had a beautiful house, of course. His college football coaches make what kind of money, but it took uh, took the interviewer out on a boat, you know, and they were fishing out there, uh, and so it was like hanging with him for a half an hour or so, whatever the however long the show was. And I just remember enjoying it, and really enjoying it. And I wish I could remember for the life of me who that interviewer was, but I, it just it escapes me for now. But the point is. He was uh, he was a unique fella, and um, he enjoyed life, and I think he enjoyed engaging people, and he enjoyed humor, you know. He was, was kind of like on the borderline of like people might some people might think he's crazy, but he was like a crazy mad genius when it came to football. Eccentric, um, I would call I him, not crazy. Has a little eccentric, uh, yeah, because not crazy like crazy, crazy, but like right, you know, right, a little eccentric, crazy. yeah. People use yeah, crazy yeah. as a term of endearment these days, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think he actually had like a really famous booker. Um, I might actually check it out if I get a chance. Uh, yeah, he's got a, he actually wrote a different, a, a decent amount of books. Like one book he has is called Swing Your Sword, Leading the Charge in Football in Life. So 
it has really good ratings on Amazon. I bet it has a lot of good insights. And like, if you're really, you know, yeah, that that's, that's his, uh, the book that he wrote. Um, but swing your sword leading the charge in football and life, you know, bestseller temporarily out of stock. Interesting. And, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, probably cause he died or I don't know, but. And one of the things I read this, I do remember that the interviewer asked him how he came up with the name air raid offense. And they're expecting some kind of an, you know, X's and O's type of reason, rationale for for calling it the air raid offense. And here he just says, you know, hey, look, this thing has been around. He he talked about um, Jack Pardee and the Houston Oilers used to run something called a run and shoot. He said, you know, this notion has been around for a while. You spread them out and you throw the ball. And he says, I forget now, I forget it, one of his first places where he went and implemented this. They scored a touchdown. And the the guy in the end zone, or the, the you know one of the team mascots, wherever it was, he fired off a uh, he fired off one of those horns, an air raid horn, you know. And it's that, and that's it. I swear you could read you'll read that somewhere if you read the book or but I I read that I remember seeing from the interview and think, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> How ironic things can just be. But that's why he he named it that way because the, the guy scored a touchdown, and it was one of his first coaching jobs there where he implemented this offense, and he just figured, okay, that's it. That's what we call it. <laughs> you know, so that's cool. It's pretty yeah. neat. I just I love how like you know you didn't really do like before the show we weren't like doing a tons of research on Mike Leach but like you automatically on the top of your head have all this anecdotes and information. Uh, it's great. You know that's the type of. Um, well, yeah, you you had to be honest. You said you you know Mike Leach died today, and I said yeah, I did. I saw that, and uh, he, you told me you were going to mention him. And do I have anything to say? And I said yeah, I'll say it when when you mention it. That's all. That's that's how we do it. Absolutely. But, I mean, yeah, we do we do a little bit more research behind the scenes and stuff. But you know, when necessary, but, yeah. But I, yeah, so we're just trying to keep it natural and flowing here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're not writing dissertations every show, and like you know given lectures you know we're trying to keep it conversational so but no the right. thing about mike, mike leach you know he ha- he made he made a mark on a lot even if you w- weren't a football fan i i bet i haven't read his book but i bet his book has a lot of insights that anybody can use in business in life um i'm sure that it i'm sure that it does um because i love getting little insights from people who are very successful and just you know picking their brain and you know mm-hmm. picking little things and like what do they do how'd they do that and you know, just kind of putting in your own, your own world, your own life. It really, but um, another one I want to talk about because we focus on an actor almost every episode. And today uh, we'll talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, he died in 2014. He was very young. Uh, I think drugs were involved, but it died. was, it was, it was heroin. He was only like 46 or something when he died and he had a hell of a body of work. Um, and, you know, this guy for me, he made his mark when I first saw a movie with Ben, ben Stiller called Along Came Polly, Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And in, in this in this movie, there's a scene where he's at a party and because uh, he's a washed up actor in the movie. His name is Sandy Lyle. Um, and he's at a party and he tells Ben Stiller, he's like, we got to go. He's trying to be really like, quiet about it. He's like, why? What happened? He's like, I just I just farted and shit came out. I sharted. He called when you fart and shit comes out a shark. <laughs> and he like he's like we got to get the fuck out of here um it's like you know it was like one of the funniest things but like he was probably on my radar before that um but then i started watching because i had seen movies that he was in but wasn't like heavily focused on him but trying to think of a top five list today it was just going down his body of work because you know he was born in rochester new york he's very educated in the actor world because he went to like the tisch school at nyu which is like tr- classically trained drama students there 
Um, so he's, he knows, you know, he's a classically trained actor, um, but he had so many good movies. And I don't know if I can narrow it down to the top five, but um, if I'm going five to, to one, um, probably going to say, I'm, I think I'm going to do a long came. I know a long came probably is just a comedy, but his, his role as Sandy Lyle and the speech that he gives in the boardroom at the end of that movie is just like classic. Um, so I think Along Came Polly is going to be one for me. We talked about this other movie that he was in. I guess I'll start, you know, eh. yeah, I guess I'll start with the, the fifth movie, 25th Arrow. We talked about that because that was an Edward Norton movie. We talked about Edward Norton a couple episodes ago. He was in 25th Arrow to Hour Two. Right. Um, so I guess 25th Arrow Five, Hour Five. Um, uh, this is a tough one for me. I guess I say Boogie Nights Four with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Boogie Nights Four. Uh, three, Big Lebowski. Even if he didn't have a big role in these movies, I'm going to have to go back and watch some of these movies, but these are just like overall yeah, the movies. The length of the role doesn't have to be, yeah. Exactly. Have to be. exactly. Um, so I think I had uh, Almost Famous, Boogie Nights, Along Came, 25th Hour was five. Um, Boogie Nights, four. Almost Famous, three. Long King Polly's one. So the question would, would be, what would be two? I guess I'll have to say, because you he was in a talented Mr. Ripley. He was in uh Doubt. We talked about Doubt. Yeah. Uh, he was in Eyes of March with Ryan Gosling. Uh it's, I'm still having a tough time choosing between the master and Moneyball, but I think I'm gonna go with the master. Moneyball should definitely there's so many movies. Like he was in, you'll talk about it in a second, but um, I guess the master, the master is kind of about a fictional character, but it's based, it's basically based off the, the, the religion of Scientology. And he plays like the leader and the founder, like a Scientology and some of the scenes, like he has some of the scenes in that movie are so intense and he's so manipulative and you know how these cult leaders are. Uh, but he's, there's, they're in prison in a scene and he's trying to explain to this guy how, like, you know, why he's in prison and how his mind works. There's like a push pull mechanism and, and his spirit has gone through different bodies and stuff. And there, there's all these you know, karmic reasons why he's going through what he's going through and he's trying to fix them and stuff, but it's a very intense scene. It's on YouTube. Uh, there's a bunch of scenes on YouTube for that movie, but um, so I guess the master would be two and along came Polly one, but Joe, you mentioned, uh, you know, oh, you yeah. saw, um, you remember that he was in a scent of a woman, right? Oh, uh, yes, I do. Um, I love, I loved him in that, in that movie um, because he played that part so well, he played a, a, a little, a little snot nose, uh, prep school shit you know that's what not that all i mean look there are you know yep. not that everybody that, that went to prep school was, and that's not what i mean i mean he was uh, um among the prep school kids he was he was a little shit that, they, that his character played um and a little spoiled um and if you remember that movie there was um charlie was um Charlie was the young fellow that was uh, driving um, Al Pacino around. He was babysitting him, for, for lack of a better term, like, you know, chaperoning him, Charlie. Now, Charlie got in trouble because of something that some, he and three or four other kids did in that movie, like mischief. And Hoffman was the main ringleader there. And then when they really got in trouble, Hoffman started to one of my favorite lines in that movie is when uh, Charlie gets off the phone, the kid that was with Pacino, and, you know, he gets off the phone with Hoffman, and he says to Pacino, he says, yeah, and such his name, Billy, he's going to talk to his father and see if he can get us off. And Pacino goes, 
watch that us part <laughs> watch that us part because <laughs> it's time like that when it, it's it's like the old it's like the old story of the two guys that are out out running through through the jungle and the, they see a lion and the one guy puts on his track shoes and tightens them up and he says what are you doing you're not going to outrun a lion he says i know i'm not going to outrun a lion but i'm going to outrun you <laughs> You know, everybody's and when, when times get when sometimes when when things get tough and and the heat is on, uh, certain people are, are going to stick with you, and some people are going to abandon you and say good luck. And that's what Hoffman's character did in the movie. And I don't like his character, but I think his acting was superb, even at a young age. That's my point. And who doesn't like? I mean, I just love the movie. Um, almost famous. I mean, I love that. I mean, who doesn't love that movie? I mean, the music and everything. Yeah, I, and what did I write that? Did I, I put that in the top five? Or what did I put it at? Did I put Almost Famous at like three? I think you put it at three. I would put it yeah. way up there. I, mean, to I me, think Almost Famous might have to switch with the master. So maybe maybe, maybe the master at three and Almost Famous at two. Because Almost Famous is a legendary, you know. Yeah, and he played that, he played that part really well, too. And he was there. He had to be there all throughout the movie. And he played that part really well. And then you had with the, that movie, you had the music and you had Blondie. What's her name? Um Goldie Hawn's daughter, um, yeah. oh, man. Kate Hudson. Yep. Oh, he, and and you just you had a lot of things going on. You had Elton John music, not just one song either. Tiny dancers from that, right? Yeah, tiny dancer on the yep. bus, and then in the in the restaurant in New York, they played Mona Lisa's and Matt Hatters was playing. I mean, and then you had um, just some some other. Um, so you had some Hendrix songs in there. You had some Zeppelin in there. It was just, just the music and the beautiful women and everything else and. Uh, he was involved with that. So, <laughs> so if he was involved with it, he gets a check mark there too. But, um, that's nah, a good choice. It's because you didn't go for the, you know, it's nice. Like I said, that's why I wanted to go for, uh, to, to Ed Norton. Um, it's nice to get that actor that's not necessarily the top. And well, of course, I'm going to have my night where we do De Niro. Think, I'm going to do that. I think there's but, a strong, I think there's a strong argument, um, for Philip Seymour Hoffman as being, uh, one of the greatest actors ever, especially if he lit, especially if he survived and lived longer, because his body of work, uh, he was also in the Hunger Games trilogy. If you remember the Hunger Games, um, his body of work is incredible. I I think it, I, it to me, if you want my opinion, I think what you I think that's a little it's that's that's hyperbole a little bit. I I do think he's I mean um, I put him on the same level as Norton. It's not it's not an A actor like a show like an absolute, but it's it's that solid B list like scraping on ah, scraping dude, on the know. A. That to me, uh, well, it's, it's everything's subjective, Sean. So you know yeah, everything. I'm just subjective. telling. Go back. I'll send you. I'm going to start sending you a bunch of Philip Seymour Hoffman YouTube movies. No, no, I'm not. You don't have to send it to me because my <laughs> my opinion is my opinion, and you don't have to try to persuade me or buy me or anything like that. It's cool, and I'm not going to try to dissuade you from such, from thinking that he's an A. You know, yeah, but such a fan, and this guy is just by talent alone. Oh, a hell of an actor! Of, oh my god! Let's say let's say I mean, the dude was a hell of an actor. You know, let's let's just say and that he's gone gone too soon, and you just I don't know, you know, if he had another twenty years in um uh, the 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 movies that he would have been in and the roles that he would have played, because there's only he's the type of actor where you can you could only you could write you could really, when you're writing a movie you could think of like the role and write it around Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not like you write the role and then pick out an actor. He's the type of guy who can like literally uh, be customized for that role, and only him could do the role. That's the thing about him, which I loved about him. But um, you mentioned Mona, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters. They played in Almost Famous. 
I saw Elton John in MetLife Stadium in July, and he told the crowd, this is the last time I'm ever going to play Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, and he played that song for the last time ever in his whole career. So I saw the last performance of that. Oh, man, and I'll tell you, when I first heard it, it was just like, blah. I used to pass over it and, like, listen. Then I stopped and really listened to it. And then it was talking about, you know, in New, you know, my seeds will be sown in New York City. And this guy, not that I'm, you know, I'm a Philadelphia guy, whatever, but you got to, everyone loves New York because it, it, it's got a certain mystique about it, certain. So th- just those words, those lyrics and, and the music itself was, you know, and some, like I said, the music and the words were just with Elton quite often, like, you know, they would captivate you. Um, but, uh, sons of bankers, sons of lawyers. And I just, it, it's just really good. Um, and it was in there. It was in when they were in, obviously when they were in New York city. Um, but that whole, that whole movie had just, just awesome. Every song was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was cool. Well, you know, we, another thing we couldn't do where this is, this is Joe and I thinking live on, on the fly here. Um, we could because we spotlight actors and we do song lyrics and we do all these different things, but you know we'll have episodes where we can like focus a good half an hour on just one movie and we'll watch the movie before. I'll watch it myself. You watch it yourself, type of thing, and then we'll just discuss it on the air. And I think I think the audience um, would actually really enjoy that um, hearing let's um, just break down a movie, like especially these legendary movies. Well, I got a that's better, I'm not good. Idea. That's an excellent idea, Sean. And I got, I want to add to it. I and mean, it's not better. It's, it's adding to it that what we should do is take one show. And if it's an hour, if it's a little longer, an hour, but it, whatever it is, if it's, but take half of the show for the movie, the aforementioned movie that you just, okay. And then we'll take the other half of the show and we'll dissect a song. That's really good too. Yeah. We could, because we, we're breaking down these, like, you know, um, you know, size we'll pieces of lyrics yeah. and just really just like on a, on a, on a micro level, just yeah. the lyric. We're, we're honing in on the lyric, but, um, so these, there are songs that are just truly works of art where we can also break that down. So I think, I think our audience will look forward to that for sure. Um, you know, this is one thing about podcasts, just speaking on top of my mind right now and just stream of consciousness kind of, but podcasts are cool, but we don't have the callers who can call in live and give us that live feedback. Uh, there's something to be said about because radio, a lot of people say radio is dying because I, I listen to the Howard Stern show religiously and he's one of the last true survivors of radio. He's on Sirius and they do have all the episodes on the Sirius app and everything. So you could listen, consume it like a podcast. But um, he's like, I don't have a lot of advice for radio people, people trying to get in radio because it's it's really kind of a dying industry kind of. But one thing that radio has that podcast doesn't have, at least when we, we're doing these podcasts recorded and we're not on YouTube live or anything, which we might be in the future, is we don't have those callers and those consistent callers like, you know, like, you know, Manny from from New Mexico calling in every show. Like, Manny, how's it going? And then, you know, getting that live reaction and stuff. Um, so I really want to look into, you know, doing like a possibly like some live shows in the future, especially if we keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, Cause that, that's one thing about radio. That's like a, like, you know how it is. You listen to sports radio. There's something cool about when callers call in, you know? Well, yeah, it, it is, but I think it, that lends itself more towards sports radio and this and that. And what we do here is, 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 is sports is only a small part of it. And, and, and I, I love everybody out there. And I'm, I, for, I said on the air, one night, couple couple of shows ago, I said, and I stopped, and I really wanted to, for emphasis, I'd we value you, 
you said I was being robotic, but I'm not, I'll, I'll let you go. But, it's okay. but I, I wanted to stop for emphasis. I said, everybody out there listening, thank you. We value you. We thank you for listening to us. You know, we, we, we're very humbled by it and very, you know, we're so, but that being said, I'm not, I, I personally, I, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling the idea of, having conversations or having someone come up and say, Oh, Joe, you know, you said Angel Suarez the other night was a Phillies pitcher when really it's Ranger Suarez. Well, I mean, there's, 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 we're not at the level, I'm not interested in debating not, Bill from Perth Amboy. I'm not, I'm just, not I don't, the, you know, not at the level um, of like screening callers, for example, but there are systems in place on a lot of these professional shows, like the Dan Patrick show. They have a guy designated just to answering callers and you could screen people. Sometimes they fool you. But, you know, some do. guy calling in, some guy calling in wouldn't be able to get on the air just because he wants to badge you for getting a name wrong or that type of thing. You know, but um, I'm just, just, just not interested in having have, a debate also, with, with John Q listening. public. Yeah. But I, I really like that stuff and I'm, I love debating. So I'm interested in that for sure. Um, but also um, we could do listener emails. We could open up an email. We could create an email address and have listeners send us emails so we can go through it slowly before the show. Maybe we'll pick out one email. That's really thoughtful. That type of thing. I think can be cool too. Where the the person's not on air, but we can talk about the email they sent and break down if they have a suggested topic. I'm definitely open to that for sure. I'm just not, um, and I don't say this facetiously. I'm just not that needy in getting that kind of, you know, you know. I, I'm just not. I, I I do. I enjoy doing what we do. And for those of you who listen to us and like us, thank you. And for those of you who don't, it's okay. It's fine. You know, if you don't like root beer, go have a seven up or something. I, it's okay. There's no, there's no animus at all. God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you don't like our show? It's all right. It really, really is. And for those of you who do, I thank you. But I'm not going to, for the ones that want to go have the Sprite, I'm not going to go over there and try to drag them over or debate why they. No, go, this, this isn't. This isn't about getting. I'm, I'm, I'm just not that needy. I'm just not. I'm just not that needy. It's not about attracting a, a certain audience um necessarily it's about uh like me as a host and what i want to do um i certainly would like enjoy going through listener emails um and having them because you know you like to feel like you're part of the show and a lot of the things that makes these other shows successful um and one of the reasons i love shows like howard stern show and the dan patrick show um i like the dave portnoy show but that's on hiatus for now hopefully that comes back maybe there's something you you and i'll talk about that's all but for right now for our audience this is this is you know this is me and Joe kind of brainstorming for the show live on air, just to give you an idea. Yeah, and there's something what maybe you and I will talk about later. But what's on <laughs> what's on the docket, Chief? <laughs> what's on your docket? In all seriousness, what's what's on the agenda? For some pet peeves. One pet peeve that kind of annoys me um, is I drink a lot of instant drinks. Um, you know, I drink a lot of Crystal Light, like lemonades. I drink those yeah. like religiously. Right? I used to drink the iced teas quite a bit. Yeah. I'm going to give Crystal Light. The thing that annoys me about that I'm getting to it is that the packaging on these little, because usually like 10 comes in a box, they're little things of powder and you rip off the top and you pour it in your drink. Um, but some companies have not perfected being able to rip off the top without using scissors and pour it in, you know, because I, I, I like this one drink called Celsius and Celsius, is a, it's an energy drink. It's a fat burning drink. They sell it in Walmart, on Amazon, et cetera. Uh, they sell it all, you know, all, you know wawa and 7-eleven and cans it's carbonated some of the cans but you can get the instant one too and it's great um it's a little expensive it's like 14 packs for ten dollars 
Um, you're paying less than a dollar per drink, which if you think about it, it's, it's way better than going into a store and buying a can. But anyway, um, some of the like Celsius, I have to, I have to use a scissor to, to chop off the top of the Celsius before I pour it into the water. It is the most frustrating thing ever. Um, it, 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 but crystal light, there's no problem at all. I just rip it off. Um, it's, it's a, do you ever, do you drink any of these instant drinks? Do you get annoyed by stuff like that? Has ever happened where you can't rip it off? You need to use scissors. You know, it's been, I, like I said, I used to drink the peach iced tea. They made, they made a peach iced tea and a lemon iced tea and a mango iced tea. I love the all good. three. Yeah, they make them. Uh and okay so, but I haven't had them in a while because I just switched to I go in and I get Turkey Hill makes like an iced tea that's already made and I just buy it like every week I just go buy a gallon and a half and if I run out I go to Wawa and get their diet iced tea which is lemon iced tea so I just buy my iced tea on you know just ready to go I don't mix my own anymore but that being said uh I never I don't remember ever having any real problems back in the day I used to buy them by the plastic you know, it's a plastic cylinder that you buy, and in that plastic cylinder, you have either four or six or eight envelopes, right? You know, long envelope, oblong you're envelopes. The, you're, you're buying like the, uh, the you're buying them in bulk, kind of the bigger ones. We make a ton at a time, not just one, not just one like Poland spring bottle, right? Yeah, exactly. I would buy the. Uh, it was a canister, maybe six to eight inches high, and in that canister were like eight packs, you know, six to eight packs, and you take a pack, and that would make you two quarts. Right. So, you know, so you're buying, you know, eight packs, two quarts, 16 quarts at a time, you know, dry. Um, so I, I'm not sure. And it's been, it has been a while. It's been. Okay. So it's, but it's something, something you, you can't really relate to right now because, but exactly. my because literally I have a Celsius almost every day. And I have today, I thought I won. I was like, oh my God, I could rip it off. So I ripped off the top and I thought it was open. And I go to pour it in my drink, my, my cold bottle of water, you know, the standard 16 ounce, you know, those bottles. Um, I go to pour it and nothing comes out. I'm like, oh man, so let me rip off the top, but it's still closed. So then I had to walk over to my desk and get the scissors out and cut off the top. And I was like, man, this sucks. Like, you know, I tweeted about this in the past. It's one of those annoying things, but you know, Celsius, if you're listening and anybody out there knows, uh, please fix your, uh, your instant drink, um, individual <laughs> packages where people just rip it off, you know, it's, and then like, a lot of people will use their teeth and stuff, but then it gets messy. And then if you get a little bit of the powder wet, then it's, it gets sticky and it won't come out of the thing. That's one of my pet peeves that I have. Um, <laughs> what about you, Joe? Any any recent pet peeves that really in the past couple of days that you could think of? You know, believe it or not, um, I've been so tired in the last couple of days, and um, I, it, I, I have other things on my mind that it's rare. Um, but I don't, I don't think I have any any recent pet peeves, honestly. <laughs> Okay. I'm just, I'm delaying a little bit because I'm trying to think of one, but I just, <laughs> it escapes me right now. And you know what? That's I'm gonna a good put, I'm going to put in the Jeopardy music. Thing. I'm going to put in the Jeopardy music and I expect the answer <laughs> yeah, to be what is. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. Everything's okay. good. Um, so I read a lot of uh, New York Times and I just came across this article recently, you know, the past couple of days about the Hasidic Jewish education in New York City. Um it's really say, say that again. Hasidic, Hasidic Jewish education. Okay, okay. So you know, I respect all religions and whatnot and they, their own beliefs, but there's a problem, according to this article, with the Hasidic Jewish people in, in uh, New York City when it comes to education. They're teaching them. They're so they're in these really religious schools and they're separated from everyone else, and their education is not secular. And the parents wanted them to be able to read English and stuff because a lot of these kids can't read the side of a cereal box. They can't read the English on the side of a cereal box because yeah. they only know is the Yiddish or whatever language they're speaking. 
Um, and the, the courts, when they get divorced and the, the parents, like a lot of times the parents get divorced over issues like this, the education, whatever, you know, but they, when they get divorced, it's all decided by like rabbis in a really small, like three person committee. And they make the kids stay in the religious school, um, the, 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 the non-secular school. And they're, they're not learning anything. And once they hit a certain age, they stop learning about other stuff. And some of these kids can't even read. And it's like, how are they expected to go into the world and like learn and be, you know, citizens and get careers if they can't read and speak English well, um, it's and, and it's such like a um, an archaic sort of system they have where the state court systems, you know, give precedence to these small committees, and these kids end up these poor kids end up growing up without real education. They're not learning science. They're not learning math. They're blocked from learning certain subjects. All they're learning is all about their religion. And I guess if they want everybody to be a rabbi, fine. But if you're a rabbi, I'm guessing. You got to relate to people. You got to be able to speak English. You got to, you got to give your lectures and whatever they do. And, um, you know, it's a really upsetting article. And I read it. I'm like, man, like imagine not being able to read the side of a cereal box and because your family is so focused on your learning your religion and you're stuck in these schools that are, that are not secular and they're not learning all about these topics and expanding your mind. Um, Let me just ask you this real quickly. Make sure I understand you correctly. That these folks are living in antiquated um, in ways as far as their family structure, as far as they're educating their children and so forth. There, there is no curriculum other than scripture, and it's not even scripture in English. Exactly. It's, it's scripture in a, in in Aramaic or whatever the Hebrew, whatever the okay, yeah. whatever the okay. So, and then um, they get divorced, and um, the kids are. Now tell me, tell me more about what you, you touched on it, but the courts are commit. Who doesn't, st- how did, how, now that you're talking about New York now, now how does the New York, how did New York state, um, not, how are they not, um, yeah, so, getting more involved so in have, saying they have these, they have these agreements. So the agreements are typically upheld by New York state judges seeking to follow precedent. And the precedent is their antiquated laws. Um, so they have binding divorce settlement agreements uh, and the children must re- remain in intensely religious schools, even if they provide little secular education. Um, there's a three judge arbitration panel of rabbis and other community leaders. Um, they're, they're informal arms of the Hasidic leadership. Um, it's just one of those things. And the because parents of three like, words following they're, they're, the precedent, they're in po- No, because they, they, yeah, they, there's, a, there's a precedent and, you know, the one following one, one, one parent wants to put them in secular school so they can learn all regular education and go into the world and go to college and do all right. successful. But these 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 uh, little uh, councils and arbitration panels that are full of rabbis and community members, they're they're they have they have more power over a state. They, they try to go to the state courts and the state courts can't do anything about it because the precedent. Again, right. That's, uh, that's why I wanted to get the state yeah. courts are pretty much the, they feel their hands are tied because exactly. the, the statute, the state statute yeah. says and, that they should, they should really perpetuate the, getting, the precedent. And they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayers money per year for these schools and stuff. And they're just not learning real, you know, real lessons that are taught because a lot of private schools and a lot of most States in the country, if you go to a private school, there's an agreement that the private school has to teach you what the public school is teaching. They have to teach you the, the science, the math. You have to be up because a lot of public school systems are a lot of them are, could be better than, than private schools, to be honest with you. But there's an agreement where the private schools, even if it's Catholic school, whatever type of religion it is, a Muslim school. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know the Muslim laws, but I know the Catholic schools. They have to teach what public schools are teaching to keep the kids, you know. Um, on the same sure. level as other students. And in these Hasidic Jewish schools, they're not required to do that. And 
you know, there's a lot of divorce, messy divorces and stuff. And one parent might get custody of the kids, but the other parent, the, the, the panel sides with them and they have to keep them in the secular, the non-secular education where they're just learning all about religion. And then, then at a certain age, I don't even know if they have to go to high school, but they're ill prepared. You, you were in the education world. I mean, what do you think yeah. about that? I think it's a catastrophe. And I think that I love religion. I, I, I do. I love, I love religion to an extent. And I think like anything else in excess, it can be really detrimental. And uh, this is a case where religion is in excess and it's extremely detrimental to those kids because they're ill prepared to be in the real world. Um, and I, it, it's, it's, it's almost unconscionable that, that if you really love your child, I mean, what's really a shame is they love their children, both, but the one, the, the one parent that wants to send them and get them an education. So they're prepared. And the other one, I th- think they love their child too, but they're so disillusioned that they think the way they can show their child to love is to keep them from the public school and to perpetuate you know, uh, you know, the current status and just, just teach them isolated and, and they, but they, they're doing it with good intention. And my, what's scary to me is that parent that's doing that with good intention really thinks that he or she is, is doing the right thing because God said to do that. And I think that's where we can get indoctrinated and not only the Jewish faith, We've seen indoctrination in other faiths and, 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 and how, how horrific that can be. We've seen, and, and I'm not going to name any, but I'm, I'm talking about it. We've seen indoctrination by people in all kinds of faiths and what extreme measures and uh, things can happen through disillusionment and, and indoctrination. And I just think it, it's, it's scary. And this world is so tough. It's tough enough. Even believe me, folks, even when you have a master's degree, it's not easy. It's, it's tough. Um, and I can't even think about a kid today trying to make it in this world without, you forget college degree without even a, a good, adequate high school education in the name of what? Yep. I so, think so. Um, Another barrier is uh, there's a rabbinical court system known as Beth Din. Beth Din. It's it's rooted in a centuries-old legal tradition. It's an alternative to civil courts for Orthodox and Hasidic Jew- Jewish people worldwide. Um, they meditate business conflicts, divorces, and other disputes. So it's not just like these divorce disputes and where the kids can go to school. They're still um, giving precedent and they're giving like the, you know, the, this archaic priority. Tradition. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's like wow. I mean, it's like. When I read articles like that, I'm like, man, that really, there's a whole other worlds out there. And people, you know, I, I know it can be a culture shock for um, a Hasidic Jewish young person going into like public school all of a sudden after being with all their friends and all their, all, everyone's the same religion. And it can be a culture shock, but, you know, there's ways to do it. There's ways to get them acclimated, to get them ready for the real world, I think, you know? I do. And you know what? It's, it's not, and again, I, I think it was clear when I said this the first time, and as I respect all religions, and if I think religion in its proper doses and its proper, um, perspective, uh, with, with, with young people, I think it's a good thing because it instills, uh, love for other people and instills kindness and instills good deeds and all those kinds of things. Um, I think it's a great thing, but, your X's, you know, your, your ABC's, your one, two, threes, and your, you know, that's, that's terribly, terribly important too. And I think if they were receiving a half a day of religion and a half a day 
of the other stuff, that's good enough for me. Even though I think that half is too much, a little too much, you know, I think 30% would be more than adequate. But even if they were receiving a half a day of the religious stuff and a half a day of the other, if you really did a good job and concentrated it, I think that would be adequate. And again, I have, I, listen, the, the Jewish people, Muslim people, Hindu people, uh, Christian people, everybody, that's everybody. This particular example to which you're referring happens to be um, folks of the Jewish faith. But these type of dilemmas is, exist everywhere. So let, yeah, let, let not, us both not, make, no, not an, not at all. We're not about a whole religion here. We're just saying, I read a New York Times right. article and I was like, that was just very shocked what I was reading. I was like, this is really, you know. Right. In this example, that's the one that is. I just don't want so anybody another, to. Another section of New York Times that I like to read consistently is Modern Love. And there's a show on Amazon based on it. It's called Modern Love. But it's really like short stories about love stories. It could be anything. It could be between a romantic relationship. It could be about a family. But I read one before the show. It's about this mother who was like an alcoholic for years and the kids like suffer, you know, because it was detrimental to them having like an alcoholic mother. She couldn't, she didn't give them the proper food and all these different things and take care of them the way they're supposed to be taken care of. But um, one Christmas they said, the kids said to her, it's like, I want to, I want to get a Christmas card like everyone else gets, you know, with the family all dressed up and it's nice Christmas outfits and stuff. Um, Can we do that? And the mom was on a budget. She didn't have a lot of money. She was in rehab. Um, So they went to a TJ Maxx. And they dressed in Christmas clothes at the TJ Maxx and they went in the dressing room and took a Christmas photo that they used for a Christmas card. And it was just a nice little heartwarming story. You know, they didn't buy the clothes or anything, but they had the Christmas picture with the Christmas stuff on because they couldn't afford anything. Well, and this, this modern love section is full of stuff like that. It's really, it's a hundred words or less about modern love. Um, I really was, you know, when I read that, I was really like, you know, that's cool. But it is cool because when I first, well, the, the, first of all, when I heard that, I thought of the David Bowie song, "Get Me to the Church on Time," and I was like, "Wait, what's the?" But then "Modern Love," and I thought, "Oh, it's it's like you know a dating thing, or doesn't no?" And I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm from what I can derive, the word "love" is used liberally all over the place, like exactly. any kind of love. The next story could be about a man and uh, you know, um, you know, you know, his son going out to a ball game and buying a puppy on the way home or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Love, have, love, love, all, love. Every time, yeah. every time I read these, cause there's such like heartwarming yeah. stories. Um, it is like, I recommend it to anybody, the hundred, hundred words or less you read these, there's probably like five of them per, per New York times issue a couple of times a week or whatever. Um, it's just a good section. It's heartwarming, you know? And it, yeah, it makes you feel good, dude. I mean, after you turn off the 11 o'clock news, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I watched it. I watch news every night because I'm just interested in what's going on in the world. And I don't mean it. The whole newscast is bad. But what I'm saying is there's enough bad. There are enough bad stories and, and, and stories that make us feel a little down that it's just so cool when you can see something like that or see. I saw I, I saw one time on a show they did research. And you know, the human brain reacts differently. There are more endorphins that are released a lot more that are released. I think not, you know, as opposed to they, they did an experiment with several people. And this was like over a long period of time. And they had them witness something upsetting, like, like, you know, like a dog limping across the street or something like that, something. And then they would have them observe something really nice, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, a, like a, a little kid walking up to a homeless person and giving them a dollar or something like a good deed or something like that. Right. And th- these examples vary, but they would they would uh, observe the brain chemicals of a person while they watch something sad. 
and then they would observe the brain chemicals of that same person while they watch something heartwarming, loving, something like that. And the brain showed a marked difference in the and the all the times that they they witnessed something heartwarming and and loving and all that. There were actually endorphins that were released. So. And that's just witness witnessing an event. That's that's not even being a part of that whole thing. So, you know, when you see somebody out in the street that gets punched in the face or something like that, and then you look over here and you watch somebody giving someone else a hug, your brain is reacting differently to each one, whether you realize it or not. And actual endorphins are are released when when we um I think the words were acts of kindness as opposed to acts of unkindness yeah. and it's it's yeah. physiological too so i just wanted to bring that out i love uh psychological stuff like that um mm-hmm. and that's yeah. true stuff you can you can yeah. check it out I, know, I, don't. I believe you i believe you um so let's move on to uh the sports segment of the show um so how about those egos man yeah you know we talked about a month ago and i was worried about the run defense i thought they were getting soft and i thought that they were getting ready to to teeter totter and i thought humpty dumpty was coming off the wall but what they did was they went out and got uh dominic and sue they got joseph they got davis back and now they're like uh they're like in the great wall of china up there nobody's running on them they got a good they're good on the back end although they have some you know um some some key uh Injuries in the back there. Um, what the starting, starting one of the starting safeties, Gardner. I can't forget his last name. He that's that's terrible of me not not knowing his Gardner Johnson. I think, but um, he's out. But that being said, they still got two of the best corners in the game. Um, the other safety is very good. A linebacking course playing very well. Bottom line is their defense is really solid, really playing well. Can stop just about anybody. And offensively, I mean. You know, what they just did to the Giants, it was like, if you saw that game, they were throwing the football all over the place in the first half. The Giants started to get a beat on what they were doing. And just when the Giants started to get beat on what they were doing, throwing the ball, it's like they went to the sideline and said, okay, okay, you know what, let's, uh, let's run it now. <laughs> and they just started running the ball all over the place. It was sad to watch. It was it was it was fun to watch as an Eagles fan. Um, but it was and I, I say sad because it was just the Giants, they got a beat on what the Eagles were doing in the passing game in the first half. They come out and they start and they, you figure, okay, here they might make a comeback. And the Eagles just said, Okay, you know what? Let's change it up now. Let's do that other thing that we do well because we do both so well. Let's run it now. And they just ran and, and it was like floodgates opened up. Um, so it, it was cool. Now the Giants aren't the best barometer to use. I said to you in October, I said, look, just give them time. They're, they're improved, but they're not improved this much. And that coach is a good coach, but he's not Vince Lombardi. Let's, 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 let's get, don't get excited. And that's, that's coming to fruition. Um, be that be that as it may, the Giants were a reasonably formidable opponent, but they were dismantled. I mean, they dismantled them. And I have no fear whatsoever anymore of that game on Christmas Eve. I see their opponent, who I respect very well, 
the Dallas Cowboys as a very good football team, but I see them not just in this Houston game, but the past couple of games, they're just not the same. They let Indy stay with them in, for three quarters in their own building, right? They let the Texans, this is all last three games were in their own building. Um, and the Giants were there. And they stayed with them for three quarters. And I know the, there were fumble recoveries and all kinds of that, but I'm talking about offense versus defense. In, in our game with the Giants, we didn't have any of these fumble recoveries or anything. It was X, it was, it was X against O. It was, it was offense against defense. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing a win, but I feel better as an Eagles fan now that they're going to go kick ass in Chicago. I do. And I think they're going to go down there. And I think, they're not only going to win this football game. I think they're going to win this football game by more than 10 points. And I would have said, I would not have said that a month ago. Cause I just don't think the Dallas Cowboys like- are who we, who we thought they were, who I thought they were. They're leaking oil. And I just saw today, they lost another offensive lineman, a starter. Yeah. But I think we're getting Tyron Smith back eventually. And he's, he's really good. So. Well, when you got, uh, you're going to have Jason Peters out there on the right tackle, like and that's going to put problems. Confident, you're super confident about Christmas Eve, buddy. I don't know about that, man. Well, I and I respect you. I, I respect you feeling that way. Um, but when you get this ball club coming in here, they're not the Indianapolis Colts. But they're not the, the New York Giants, the the and they're Cowboys not the Texans. It's a, the thing about the Cowboys last episode was, uh, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to beat the Texans. I don't know if we're going to lose to the Texans. We're expected to win by a lot. We're favored by a lot. Um, and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost and we almost did lose except, you know, we, we won basically in the last minute. I didn't see the game cause it was, it wasn't on TV and I wasn't willing. Cause every time I go to stream uh, these games that are on TV and you find these websites like stream East and stuff, um, they have tons of ads and the stream doesn't really work well. So it's, it's not worth my time and effort. Um, I really miss direct TV's uh, NFL Sunday, pa- NFL Sunday ticket package. I used to have every game. Now we have red zone. It's cool. We can see every touchdown, but Sunday ticket, you can literally see every game. I don't even know if they have anything like that anymore. I have to look into it. Maybe, maybe direct TV still has that, but I don't, you know, I don't have direct TV. Um, but yeah, the Cowboys, you know, but like I said, we, we, we're a team that, you know, we play down to our opponent's level. A lot of times I know we beat the Colts by a lot of points or whatever, but it was also ha- a lot of that happened in like the third quarter. You know, a lot of the points came the third and fourth quarter. So, but you know, but I think what I'm saying about that point is when we play the Eagles, there's so much rivalry there. There's so much bitterness. There's so much anger towards the two franchises. And this, this year we're both good. Um, I wouldn't be too confident because I would not be shocked if the Cowboys win. Well, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys win, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be a bit surprised because I think right now, and I'll just be honest with you, I think right now, look, there's ta- there's a lot of talent on both squads, but I think it's who's playing better at the moment. I look back at that first game, Sean, and I look back at that, that first half, it was domination. And then it was in the second half when the Cowboys, th- and it was it th- that very game where the Cowboys were the first ones to expose that softness in the defensive line. And I was they think it was Davis's first first game out too, I think. But the Cowboys were able to expose that soft spot in the Eagles defensive line, i.e. the running game. That was the that was where it showed up. And the Cowboys were doing such a good job of it that they came all the way back in that game and almost beat us. But before they found that little crease in in there, this this was now what's changed is that little crease they found, that ability to run against the Philadelphia Eagles, it's not there anymore. Even for Zeke. 
even for the Dick Alice offensive line. I mean, they stopped King Henry. They stopped him cold. So I think we're doing a much that, that, that crease they found last time is not going to be there. Now, the one thing that I must say is they didn't have Dak in that game. I don't know if that's good or bad, though, to be honest with you. I really don't. I don't know about this character. I mean, this joker's throwing interceptions yeah. at the 10 yard. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's bad. I don't know. So I just look at that and I think, ah, that running game thing is fixed. Yeah, they have Dak back, but that's not Joe Montana. Yeah, my, my dad texted me on Sunday. No. All he said was Dak sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's the, the man that, that I have to, I mean, look, I'm not going to say it because I, I don't, I feel like if I say it, it's too antagonistic as an Eagles fan. Um, but I, I, you and I talked over the summer and I wasn't sure about my guy, but he's really, this kid's really, really come a long, long way. And what I love about him is he's not satisfied at all. He says, I just got to keep getting better. I love, you know, this or that. I just got to look at more film. I got to study more tape and I, I can get, we can, I should have made that throw. I should have done this. And he's so dedicated to his craft. He's so humble. He's, and, um, Ryan Clark said it best about, he said, Jalen Hurt, man, what you see is what you get. He said, zero front, zero front on that boy. I said, that's right. There's zero front. He's not fronting. He's not faking. Miles Sanders, he had 17 carries for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the, the game before he only had 10 carries for 24 yards, but the game versus the Packers, he had 21 carries for 143 yards. Um, is he, you're watching the Eagles more closely than I am. Is he like getting all these yards per carry or is he picking up like yards, ch- a huge chunk at like one time. And then that just, you know, um, inflates the stats. He's been doing a much better job this year. It used to be just a breakaway here or there, but he's doing a much better job at, at getting good runs, quality runs of like five and six yards, like a lot of them. Now, last week against the Giants, he broke one. But hell, you're not gonna you're not gonna trounce a guy for for breaking one, you know. Um, you know, I can remember one Monday night in in the early '80s, and Tony Dorsett against the Vikings was on the one yard line, his own one yard line, and this proves that I don't hate the Cowboys. Um, and Danny White hands him the football, and he breaks off tackle, and he goes 99 yards for a touchdown. Um, you know, long runs happen, and long runs can throw statistics off. But Miles Sanders, he's learning. He's he's being more patient. He's waiting for blocks to develop, and he's doing one hell of a job. That He's a much better football player than he's been. And I think that there's one game in there, Sean, when he didn't um, – so to answer your question, he's getting most of it with good quality, like – runs where most guys would get three three and a half yards he's getting five five and a half and six that kind of thing he's doing a real good job Um, um, he broke 100 yards only a couple times so that was the third time he broke 100 yards he had 134 versus jacksonville uh so jacksonville green bay and the giants now i have to look into the run defenses to see are these guys defenses for real but you know he did have over 100 yards only three times so far but when he did it was convincing um so yeah Plus, he's sharing a football. He's sharing a football with some other guys back there that because they like to do that. They like yeah, to get a, a lot bit, of different guys. Jalen Hurts, Boston Scott, but you know Boston Scott. There's Jason Hurts or this and that. So they like to do that. Also, there's one game out of the last three when he didn't get many yards at all. You know why? Because they just were chucking it. Yeah, they decided you, this is this is how we're going to do it. Um, if you had to choose, if it, if it, I'm not saying I want an Eagles receiver to go down, but who would you rather get hurt? AJ Brown or Devonta Smith? I'm not going to even answer that question. I'm not. I'm not going near it. AJ I'm not Brown, going near it. Okay. Not, <laughs> AJ don't, Brown don't. Has 10 touchdowns. Devonta Smith is five. It's, I'm just saying. Who would, who would you? Who would you rather get hurt? Um, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Try I was going to say, you know, what's that cat's uh, name on defense? Number 11. Well, would you like him to get hurt or would you like Dak Prescott to be out for the year? I don't want, I don't want anybody um, to get hurt, but I'm just doing like a hypothetical where if you, have to choose, <laughs> if you have to choose which receiver you're with, you know, say you got an illness for one game, he's not really hurt. He has like a random cold, you know, who would you rather have for that game versus the Cowboys? Well, you know? no, okay. Listen, um, it, what's I, 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 the answer is obvious, and you know the answer is obvious. But you're you're trying to get me to diss Devonte. I'm not trying I, to get you this. I'm not trying to get you. To <laughs> oh, anybody. I think you do because I I because he's I a Heisman Trophy winner. And <laughs> go ahead. I genuinely want to know who. Uh, okay, know. AJ Brown is the number one to me, and we've got we don't okay. have to. We, and we've got two number ones, a one and a one A. But I, if if I would I I would AJ Brown is a beast. I mean, he'll he'll go up and take it from you. He'll go past you. He'll he'll run through you. He's just a beast. Devonte is. I mean, you know, he's the Slim Reaper. I mean, he he is he is he is smooth as silk. Um, I don't want to lose either one of them. But if I had to choose, but please don't make me choose. Please don't make me choose, man. And don't do that. The thing I'll say about the Cowboys is I'm not. And I hope that number Cowboys. eleven doesn't get hurt either. I hope that he doesn't like. It would be a shame if he, like, you know, like really... Parsons. That's our guy, man. Parsons, yeah. And Michael if Parsons. You could, if you could redo the draft, um, everyone's still saying that Trevor Lawrence would still be one, but Michael Parsons is, is uh, you know, he's he's in concrete stone as number two for that draft class for sure. They look back and we got that guy. We got Michael Parsons. I think we got him, like, you know, we got him, you know, late in the first round. It wasn't, it wasn't like the first 10 picks. I know that. Um, he was a steal. He was a steal. That's why I said, I, I hope that, you know, what would you rather him, him snap his Achilles tendon or, or that Maybe the, the phrasing, the phrasing was off. It was one of those things. If you had to choose for one game, you had one receiver couldn't play, you know, that type of thing. But oh, I, no, I, Sean, I, for, I'm, I'm, one of my idols and heroes is Michael Jordan. And finally the NBA did something important. Uh, they named, uh, not that they don't do important things, but they did something for him. Uh, they named the MVP trophy after Michael Jordan. It's a very nice trophy. They have all these, it's really in, detailed it's like you know he had six championships so some of the dimensions are like 0.6 or something like that uh amount of mvp awards he's won so you know air jordan is the mvp trophy but they also did you won't really see this in the headlines they renamed they renamed their awards uh hakeem Olajuwon trophy for defensive player of the year walt chamberlain trophy for rookie of the year john havlicek award for six man of the year and george mikan trophy for most improved player so i'm glad they've given some of these legendary players some credit and have some trophies named after them because there was talk about them changing the logo from Jerry West. And I'm like, no, you can't change the NBA logo. Even if it's MJ, the, the MJ Jumpman logo, that, that's his clothing line, you know, shoes and everything. You know, I don't think you should change it from Jerry West. You know, having the MVP trophy after after MJ is good enough for me. Oh. To me, the greatest basketball player to ever, and I, you know, listen, I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of good ones. I, and, and all due respect to LeBron James. If you're going to ask me who's a bigger, who's got bigger muscles or who's a bigger physical specimen, yeah, okay, he's a bigger physical specimen. It doesn't mean anything to me. What matters to me is what a man can do when you give him a basketball and nobody. And this is someone who watched Dr. J. Now, Dr. J was an inspiration to Michael Jordan, right? And he said it in so many words. I mean, because coming up as a kid and you're watching the NBA then, I mean, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Julius Irving, I mean, the doc was just unbelievable. And Mike emulated his game after the doc, but he was even better than the doc. And and it's the best basketball player I've ever seen. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
he he's undefeated in the finals. He won six. He didn't lose a finals. Never lost a finals match. He won six of them. He three-peated twice. He left the game for a year or two. Otherwise, he may have eight championships, played, played probably. Baseball, played baseball. Played baseball, right. And and see, he did all that. He's got six rings, and he left the game for a while no, and all no that doubt. stuff. There's no doubt. The, guy, the guy's a legend, and he should be named an impeachable. But the real question is um, – I guess the real question from, from me to you is uh, cheat meal. Did you have any cheat meal on the NFL Sunday this week? No, I, I had a, somewhere to go early Monday and I don't like to eat heavy when it's so, you know, I, I, what I did was I just kind of ate, uh, ate very light. I think I had a ham and cheese sandwich and I had it around four o'clock because I had to get to bed early. So the, and, and it's just one of those things where I don't like to eat heavy when I have a lot to do the next day. I have to get up early and things like that. So, um, Sundays might change a little bit. I might get my meals in on Friday and Saturday or as opposed to Saturday and Sunday. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, and uh, what else? Yeah, um, my, my bad gambling beat. Um, not a horrible gambling beat because I, I like to say I had a really good one today. So today I won I won like 100 bucks today betting on Argentina and Lionel Messi, the, probably the greatest soccer player of all time. I mean, Ronaldo's in the, the discussion. Pele's in the discussion. But if Messi wins a World Cup, he might be the GOAT. Because Ronaldo doesn't have a World Cup, he's probably never going to win one. Because he's he's too old now, he probably won't be in the next World Cup. You never know. He's a physical freak. But um, I took Messi today, uh, scoring a goal, Argentina winning. I had over one point five goals. I had a nice parlay. I won that. So that's my good gambling beat. But the bad one, I guess, would say was on NFL because we just did a show on Saturday. I talked a little bit about it. But uh, the bad one was Sunday. I thought I had an easy parlay. I picked like seven NFL favorites, and what I do is I take the spread. So if they're favored by you know negative seven points, meaning they're favored by seven points. I, I convert that negative to a positive. So I'll turn the negative seven to like plus three or like plus seven to assure like, you know, if they lose, I'm probably still good. Cause they're not probably not going to lose by more than a touchdown if they're that heavily favored. Um, so they'll add seven points to the score. So if they lose by three and I have plus seven, then I win the bet. So I, the parlay was all good, except the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the friggin' chiefs, two of the best teams in football screwed my parlay. They were both favored by a certain amount of points. And these are the only two teams I didn't turn the positives. I kept the negative points. I kept the spread the way it was with the Cowboys and the Chiefs pretty much. And uh, they blew my parlay. So that was frustrating. So that's the bad gambling beat. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap up the show and I'm happy everyone's listening. Um, we're on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn. We're going to try to get on some other platforms possibly. Uh, again, I'm on TikTok at Sean Review Stuff. Uh, two S's. Um and anybody who hasn't subscribed, if you're on Apple and Spotify, all you got to do is press the little plus hour, I believe, and just add the show. Because every time I release the show, you'll get an update when it's added. Um, so, you know, that matters to us to see those, the subs going up and everything. Um, so I'm glad everyone's listening. Joe, you want to wrap everything up? You got any, any final words? Hasta la vista, baby. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>